Blog Talk Radio. House Witches. I am your host, Raina Starr. I am so excited about today. But before we get to today, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So if potential bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might be offensive to you, this may not be the show for you. But I think it is. So you already know who I am, and you're about to find out who my guest is. But before we do that, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredible one herself, the utterly wicked Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. And don't forget, next month is Dorothy's birthday, and we don't know what she's got planned, but she's got something planned, I'm sure. So I will let you know as soon as I know. And with no further ado, for the hour, my guest is the amazing tarot diva herself, Sasha Graham. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Raina, how are you? Oh, my God, girl. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming Trump. Ooh, did I say that? Yes, I did. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, things are getting better slowly. I'm noticing that um, optimism is growing uh, around, and I'm really excited about it. How, how are things where you're at today? Oh man! I mean, talk about optimism. I, it, I, I already, I already feel like we're at the other end, and and I have to tell you, I got my first shot uh, about a week ago, and I feel like uh-huh. I don't know how psychosomatic it was and how much it just yeah. really was. <laughs> I just feel like we made it through the freaking rain, like, and I just am so cautiously. <laughs> optimistic about everything about this summer and just things going back to normal. I mean, what a crazy year. Me too. Oh, I totally agree. I got mine last week as well, last Friday, a week ago this past, uh, a week ago yesterday. And it was like a magic bullet. I don't know what was in it. I don't know if it was just, like you said, probably all psychosomatic, but the level of excitement after getting the first dose, just Mm -hmm. knowing that, the second dose is already planned. I've already got plans yeah. with friends who have also started dosing. So, like, this summer, I'm <laughs> planning to go to Asheville and hug everybody I love. I mean, I'm so excited. It's crazy. But it's so it's so Jesus. fabulous. And didn't, wasn't it, like, it? shockingly emo- Like, I got so emotional, that, I, and I unexpectedly, like, I knew I was going to be excited, and I was so thrilled when yeah. I got my appointment. But actually, yep. like, getting dressed to go, I was like, I feel like I'm going yep. to my high school graduation or something, or, like, a really important event. The and then I just was so emotional. Yeah. I was, like, crying with this other girl who was there. Oh. I, you know, it is so, it's so <laughs> funny. Like, didn't this – hasn't this whole – you know, hasn't this whole experience just, like, taught us how much – we need each other. Like people need other people. <laughs> In the midst of really all of that tumultuousness. So. Right? I know, I agree. And 
And I, you know, but what I also found out the opposite, though. I found out that I'm actually okay by myself. And I think mm-hmm. it was weird because, like, I am a known extrovert, you think? Um, but I really started to enjoy some alone time, like, in a way that I had never enjoyed it before. Because when you, when you want to be by yourself when other things are going on, you feel like, almost guilty, like, oh, I'm being a hermit or, you know, I should really go out and do stuff. But when it's enforced and you really don't have a choice, it's kind of like I actually really learned to enjoy it. I I was relishing my alone time. Um, I'm glad to give up a portion of it, but I'm I'm reticent to give it all up, I'll tell you honestly, because this extrovert has learned the value of some quiet time. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think it's – I know, but don't you think it's fundamentally changed people to a certain extent on, you know, how they feel about their interactions with the world in general? I mean, I think some people are actually having a little bit of trouble readjusting to the idea that they can be in public again soon. I mean, as soon as people are, you know, taking care of their shots and everything, but – I mean, for folks like us, it's like, yes, there's life. <laughs> it's, and and it's, it's, it's exciting, but then at the same time, you know, it's a very nuanced, complex thing because I, like, for instance, so I'm, I'm talking to you from New York City, from Manhattan right now, and last night, you know, I saw all these people jammed into a hotel lobby with their suitcases, and so, like, I still get very nervous around because we're not yeah. all – like, it's still, I mean, I think New York City is still, I think I read something like 4,000 cases a day. You know, the, the virus is still out there. And, and so I'm still, like, going so slowly, <laughs> you know, like, moving yeah. so slowly. And I just want people to be safe. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a strange, like, complex, crazy thing. But, like, in terms of being alone, Raina, oh, my God. So I feel yeah. like... I, I, I just, it was an incredible, like, all of a sudden, I couldn't hide from myself because I wound up hurting uh-huh. myself, and not only was I confined to, to my house, but then I became, like, mm-hmm. confined to my bed, literally, and I was, like, in confinement, in confinement, but in retrospect, now that it's done, I'm so grateful yeah. because I think I, I dealt with stuff that I would not have gone into. I would have just into life and I'm moving into it in a different way so many lessons so many lessons yeah I'm finding that there was a lot of self-discovery for a lot of folks especially younger folks Um, a lot of self-reflection a lot of you know changes in behavior Um, Mm -hmm. you know I mean there's always going to be a contingent of folks that we're concerned about because they were loners at the outset, and then they continued to be, you know, kind of almost in their element, but then they started getting freaked out because there's a difference between not wanting to see people by choice and not, be, not wanting to see people, wanting to see people and not having the choice. I mean, and I think right. a lot of folks got a little freaked out when the choice was removed from them. And some, of, some people have actually become a lot more social. And I'm like, well, you know, we all got to wear each other's shoes a little bit during this pandemic, and it's been a really yeah. fascinating lesson. 
you know. It's been great. And, so, and, and I, one of the things I love the most about it, too, was the suddenly we all, and I don't, I don't, I can't speak for you, but I know for myself, I was always hesitant to do things online. I always love to do things in person. And suddenly I found myself teaching online and all of like the teachers of the world that like were previously inaccessible. Suddenly it was like yeah. everybody became accessible. And, and one of the things that I loved, I, I saw with a lot of students that I had in the last year, and it was great, right? Because like suddenly I had students coming in from Sri Lanka and Switzerland uh-huh. and like all different time zones and so many of them you know we're younger I would say like 20s 30s you know I'm saying for my age younger but um and so many of them were saying this is giving me an opportunity to move deeper into tarot into witchcraft into magic and just that they felt like they had the time that they could really devote um serious study and attention to these things which I think again you know with the butterfly effect that it's just going to I just think a lot of magic has been released into the world and will continue to kind of reverberate out of our, out of our hermit cards. <laughs> I hope so. I'm concerned that, you know, humans generally have a very short attention span and an even shorter memory. And mm-hmm. my concern is that the lessons that we learned in this past year, and it's only been a year, it seems like 30 but it's only no. been the pandemic has only been really seriously in everyday thought for the past year, and yeah. uh, or, or a little bit over that. And I'm just concerned that we're going to jump so fast to try to get life back the way it was that we're going to forget the lessons we learned in this past year. And I just hope people retain whatever it was you went through, whether it was concern about not being able to see loved ones or you know, not being able to go places or, you know, spend money or whatever it is. I hope you remember what this all felt like because Mm -hmm. it could happen again very quickly and very easily. So I just Mm -hmm. am fearful that people will forget everything. But I'm hoping that the lessons remain. I really do because the ability to go and sit in on Circle in New York from here in North Carolina was not something I'd ever thought I'd have the opportunity to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have, and it's been wonderful. And, you know, like the Llewellyn Con was amazing. And Mm -hmm. and the ability to, you know, see you live was fabulous, you know, and it was very exciting Mm -hmm. to have all these wonderful authors so accessible, whereas I wouldn't have been able to go because of the commitments I have here. So, yeah, I hope. I hope that we keep the world a little bit smaller and that we continue to have online events for folks um, or, or even events where you can have them live and also telecast them so that people can attend from all over the world. Because yes. I think it's yes. an invaluable way to do it. You know, I agree. And there's absolutely no good reason not to do it. And, and, and like I'm, I'm committed to you know, uh, to continuing to teach online as well as in person. And, like, even – so, like, I'm getting things arranged for a new release this fall. And so already it's been amazing because even into October of 2021 of this year, I have virtual events lined up with bookstores all around the country. Like, I never get down to a Mississippi bookstore probably, but but – 
thanks to what's going on now. And I, I think that's not going to go away for bookstores either. I just think that, I think that, um, yeah, I just, I think it's great. I think it's great for authors and teachers. I've been actually able to practice yoga with India twice a week. So uh, my, oh, wow. um, my, yeah, my teacher's teacher over in Mysore, India, you know, who in the past I would have to go to, to India for a month to study with him. I get to take, I've been taking classes with him twice a week. You know, I thought, who, how, you know, what a miracle. <laughs> it really is. So, and it, but, you know, and that'll continue. you mentioned you mentioned your book um, and that you're preparing. And I, I mean, I want to make sure we talk about it <laughs> because it's very <laughs> exciting. And, and I mean, yes, it's been a blessing to be able to do all of these things remotely. And I'm really glad you're committed to doing it continuously because I think it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to share with the world as opposed to people having to worry about, will they make it to America to see you, you know? So that's wonderful. But the reason you came on today, (laughs) you're getting ready to release a new book. What is going on? Tell me about this. Like, okay. So the magic of tarot, we already know about the Darkwood tarot, which was fabulous. And if you don't have a deck, go get it. Um, so is this the next step from that? How did the book come into being? When did you write it? Give me all the information. Well, okay. So, so I've published a ton of books. I think I've, I published like seven books. And my, my editor said to me a while back, she's like, Sash, you know, you haven't really written kind of a beginner's basics book. Um, but something that would like encompass also magic and how to use tarot magically, because that's one of my favorite things, obviously, to do. And so we thought, all right, let's just put together kind of a book that includes everything I know, everything that I've been teaching at Kripalu and Omega, everything that I've been, that the students that I've been working with have asked me, um, and, and all of these, like, amazing, like, tar- all this amazing tarot stuff. And, and so I was like, all right, let's do it. And interestingly, I think I was, fi- I think I was finished, yeah, I was finishing the book into the pandemic. So as as early as last year. And what's phenomenal about the magic of tarot is that not only it's got like basics of tarot and basics of magic, but it's an opportunity for me to really go into depth with tarot shadow work. So I go into that with the Darkwood Tarot. Obviously, the Darkwood Tarot is a shadow deck, but I I had a limited word count of what I could fit into the book that came with the deck. So I got to go into great detail, great detail on the on shadow tarot, and then also include a lot of things like my seven sacred cornerstones of natural magic, um, and all of these other kind of specialized classes I've been teaching are all inside the magic of tarot. And then Abigail Larson designed the cover. She's the artist from Dark Wood Tarot, so the two the oh, two really go well together. They're well suited. Oh, that's awesome. So, but I'm assuming that I can use the magic of tarot with basically any deck I have. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I always, I always write from, I'm like very Rider Waite Smith based, even when I make the tarot deck. Uh-huh. So that's always, that's yeah. always, that's like my um, foundations. That's always where I'm writing from pretty much. 
is it unusual that you know and i and i don't know maybe it's just me i never really thought of a tarot deck as a magical tool i mean i always thought of it as it's yeah i've always thought of which is why i find this fascinating because i've always used tarot as it's you know, just as a divination tool. I've never used it as a magic. Yes, please enlighten my dumb ass, because I am here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so one of the things that I learned very early on in my tarot practice, um, especially with uh, the tarot school here in New York City when I was a student with them way years and years ago, yep. I was utterly um, sort of delightfully surprised when I, when I really realized that the world of archetype uh, is all right there, that you can move right into a tarot card and it has its own intelligence and it has its own energy. And so when you move into a card uh, shamanistically or with a guided meditation and you find that you're mm-hmm. actually having a conversation with the energies inside of that card and that there it, you can explore any of the cards just as much as you would like explore an herb or a tree or um or or any like natural thing it was such a wild game changer for me and then it was like it made so much sense it's like the to me it was the easiest way to work magic because not only not only did it have, you know, the world, the the archetype inside this like very visceral world, but it's also visual. Mm-hmm. So when you're done with your spell or whatever, you mm-hmm. you know, you can leave the card out uh, as a reminder. Like I feel, I always feel like the tarot is like medicine um, that it gives you anything that that you need, and and the, the deeper of a connection that you have with your cards. Uh, the more readily available it's there to to help you or to aid you or to just be like your companion, like whatever your your goals are. And and it was, you know, again, one of those aha moments when I realized, you know, it's not, it's it's like life, right? It's not a one-way street. It's just not, it's not just me looking at the cards. They're... They, they, you know, we go to the cards so often, you know, what will tomorrow hold? What should I focus on? You know, X, Y, Z for all the reasons we go to tarot. But tarot wants yeah. things from us. You know, tarot wants things from us. That's always a great, that's a great question when you don't have a good question to ask the cards if you run out. Like, I'm always running out of questions because I'm constantly, like, asking the cards. So, so one of the best questions is to ask the tarot, like, what would you like of me? You know, how can I serve you? Um, what would what what are you interested in? Um, um, uh, what can I do for you? And and it's amazing the answers that you'll get back. Yeah, so it's it's definitely a two way. Wow, so it was just an obvious magical, obvious magic to me. That's that's pretty. <laughs> I mean, okay, so like that's fascinating, and that is a question I would never have, because again, thinking that tarot is just a tool, never really, you know, talking to anybody who had. At the time, now you have to remember, I'm talking about, oh, over 40 years ago, um, way before the tarot school, way before a lot of things, um, you know, before those wonderful institutions came into being, you know, we always had, like in my family, tarot was just, 
it wasn't even tarot. It was playing cards that my, my grand aunt used to read for everyone in the neighborhood. And I was just having a conversation Ooh. with my mother's sister. And I'm like, so grand aunt Mary used to, you know, when I was a little girl, have people lined up in her dining room from the neighborhood and there would be a line down the stairs because she was a brilliant reader. I don't have half her talent. I don't have even a quarter of her talent. If I do, I'd, if I did, I'd rule the world. I really, she had something that, <laughs> oh, she had scary talent. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get it. Um, but, yeah, she was incredible. And, um, you know, we didn't talk about magic, even though magic was used in the family. Like, nobody even admitted it until I was almost 30. It's, it's a, I come from very strange people. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we never, we never thought of tarot necessarily magically, or at least I never did, because it was not something discussed with me. So the idea that you would go to a tarot deck and say, what do you want of me? I find fascinating because it's not something that would have occurred to me naturally. And I just Mm -hmm. wonder if, you know, looking at tarot as more than just a tool for divination, is that something that people have always done as far as looking at it more magically? Or is is this really just like your exploration of it? How did that come to be? Oh, that's, you know what, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I can only imagine that, you know, when, I mean, at the tarot school, we would do guided meditations into the cards. Uh, Ruth Ann Amberstone would often begin every class with uh, a short kind of guided meditation into a card, which was amazing because when you're working with tarot, I, I feel like it's your personal experience of the cards, your intuitive reaction, which is always going uh-huh. to be, like, really the gold. Like, I, I mean, I write tarot books, but I tell people, especially people who are new to tarot, I'm like, throw out your books. <laughs> don't, don't read what somebody else tell, told, well, you know, wants you to know too. about this card. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, I've done that. I've told people that. Yeah. It's really important. It's important, you know, because because every, like, and that's the other thing that's so extraordinary. Like, all of us, every single one of us, uh, interface with the material world in a different way. So my sensitivities are different than your sensitivities, which are different than your aunt's sensitivities, and so on and so forth. So there's no reason that, that I can, the truth that I articulate or find inside of a tarot deck is going to be the same thing for somebody else, nor should it be. So what I discovered when I went in, um, I feel like that's something that, that the tarot school knew. I feel like that's something that the Golden Dawn probably knew. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that was something that I invented at all. Although I just, I just couldn't have been more delightfully surprised when I discovered it. And then I have to tell you, what's interesting is, you know, I've traveled a lot and I've taught a lot around the world. And what has been surprising to me is the way I enter and use, um, the archetypes of tarot I discovered is very similar to Tibetan Buddhism and the way they kind of interface with their mandalas, which are actually, you know, if you look at a a mandala, um, even the ones they, the Buddhist monks do, the sand mandalas that they like work for weeks on and then destroy, or or if you look at like a mandala, like if you buy one and put it on the wall, you know, when you go to Tibet in the monasteries, they have the three, like the 3D mandalas, you walk through a room, 
right? So it's it's a representation of the world, but the, it's not flat. It's like looking at the squares on a calendar. Like it looks like, you know, if we looked at today on, on your calendar, it looks like a little square. Our experience of this day is all completely sens- completely immersive. And it's the same thing. That's what they're getting to in Tibetan Buddhism. It's what I get to oh. in the cards. So I was very surprised to find a correlation with a lot of the magic um, as well. And, and that's very similar to Tibetan Buddhist magic and Tantra, which was that's just really- interesting. Again, it's a great surprise. Yeah, it is a surprise because, quite frankly, I'm married to a Buddhist. So I need no to bug him about that. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, yeah, my <laughs> husband's been a practicing Buddhist for 11 years. Um, so, yeah, I need to go and, and bug him about the magic of Buddhism. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, do you know that Tibet has their own state oracle? I, I, I thought that was the most really? phenomenal thing I've ever heard, a national state oracle. And I just thought any country that has its own nationally recognized oracle, who works, you know, he works part and parcel with the Dalai Lama. And I, I just thought, oh, my God, that's wow. amazing. Do you think we amazing. should have an uh, an oracle for the United <laughs> States? Or do you think each state – no, 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 I'm not kidding. Or do you think each state should have its own? I mean, I think that's a fascinating thing. Well, I don't, I don't think that any sort of religion – should be incorporated like into the government. Um, and I know Tibet's like, it's a wildly different situation for us. It's not even recognized officially as a country anymore since um, the cultural revolution and China taking over. So that's, a, no, I don't, I don't think we should have a national Oracle, um, but I think we have plenty of national. <laughs> I mean, you might call the Long Island medium <laughs> the closest thing to our girl. We've got enough money. <laughs> yeah, we have the, the celebrity culture of all of that. Who serves as our national John Edwards, whatever you know. Doesn't that does does that kind of stuff like get under your skin? Like when you see a person like a John Edwards or a what's her name from Long Island, um, Teresa Caputo. Yeah, I mean when you see somebody like that. What's your feeling about that? I'm always curious to know what, you know, as opposed to a television person, as opposed to a person who's, like, really doing it for folks every day, you know, yeah. like, what what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's funny because it really ties back, actually, to the Hierophant tarot card. So in the tarot, mm-hmm. um, traditionally, the Hierophant exists as the outer symbol of the invisible world. So in theory, uh, popes, priests, rabbis, gurus, uh, priestesses exist in society to let people know that there is an invisible world. Now, you and I think about this stuff all the time, 24 hours, like we we think about magic and mysticism and shamanism and energy because that's who we are. But that's not normal for most people. That's really not a normal, um, you know, most people, you know, will show up for their daily, like weekly devotion at whatever their chosen thing is, and that's that, and they put it away. Um, and, and, and so I, I think that in any way that there are figures that, um, like I think one of the greatest things that tarot card readers do just in general um, for the general public, and, and one of the reasons that people go to, re- to readers for 
and they don't always even realize that's one of the reasons that they're going is because a tarot reader, um, when, when you go, like if you, you know, believe in tarot and you believe in intuitive and psychic readings and you go and sit down for a reading, um, and, and, and then you tell your friends, oh my gosh, she saw everything. She saw X, Y, Z. There was no way she could know. That's exciting, but it's confirming for people that there is magic in the world. It's, it's confirming for people that there's more to life than what meets the eye. And so I think yeah. that in any form that exists, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, is it, is it caricatures? Is it, you know, does it, it cast, like, will a lot of people have certain preconceived notion of what we do? Maybe, you know, but people are always going to carry their baggage to you. So, no, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because I think it's a sign of a healthy society, it actually, to have, to have wide and varied and even ridiculous <laughs> you know, um, sort of popcorn entertainment shows. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. I worry, I, but I do have concerns about mass marketed mediumship because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, and maybe it's just a failing in my abilities, but I can't just read people in that kind of a rapid succession without needing a nap. No, to me, that's absolutely. just like, yeah, it's a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, 100%. And I also, the thing that, one of the things that does kind of get under my skin uh, and always uh-huh. has when it came to anything in the metaphysical world, especially when I was younger and just kind of moving into it, was how... Uh, there's a certain language prescribed to a lot of the things that we do. And because we're talking about, again, we're talking about the invisible world, right? And I feel like when it's a language that people get very comfortable with, um, you have people throwing around words and terms and, oh, yes, no, I I communicate with my spirit guide. And she explained to me exactly what's X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I don't think that the work we do is easily explainable. And it's certainly not articulated um, very easily. Like I always say, like a supernatural experience, you know, or a between worlds experience is always better described uh, via art, you know, poetry, painting, music gets closer to the yeah. experience than how I could convey it to you with words. So I do get a little leery of um, certain terminology that's thrown around that people kind of, but then we'll also use I, I feel like people um, have a, a spiritual kind of metaphysical snobbery that you'll encounter, mm. especially in, you know, and that, that just really bugs me. It just really, really bugs me um, when I hear that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I do hear that a lot. And it's interesting that you say that because I find that people like us are probably the biggest skeptics in the world. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're the we're the first people to say, nah, that wasn't really magical, honey. Shit just happened. You have to be a You have to be a skeptic to do what we do because you need to know. Like, you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt when it's really real. Right. You know, and, and that's like the greatest. I love, like, that question, and it's, one it's a line that like 
when do I know that something is really happening? And, and when, do, when is it my yep. imagination? Now, I understand yep. that you can't separate those two things, but you know when you know. And I know you know <laughs> what I'm talking about yeah. when, you but, know. But even yeah. sometimes, but I'll be honest with you, Sasha, there are times I'm doing a reading and I don't read as much as I used to because I've got the show and I've got a day job and I've got jewelry that I make. I mean, I do other shit, so I, I mm-hmm. don't read as much as I used to. And I will tell you that I think a lot of tarot readers innocently have imposter syndrome because I feel like sometimes we'll be sitting in the middle of a reading and something veers off or clicks off or you start out strong and then all of a sudden you're almost lost in the reading itself with the person you're reading for. Has that mm. ever happened to you? And, and, and is there a way to unblock yourself once that, once that spiral starts to happen? Well, that, I, again, I thank you for bringing that up. It's something I don't think I've ever talked about with anybody. And it is an, it's an interesting issue because I see it happen not only in readings and feel it happen for myself, but I see it happen to my students um, or mm-hmm. my workshop attendees. In, and if I'm understanding you correctly, like I'll give, like say I'll give an exercise and it will be to answer a particular question and five to ten minutes later into the exercise, they've completely lost sight of what yes. the original intention was. And mm-hmm. so for, and, and, and I think that I don't, I think that's a mistake. I don't, I don't think that, I think it's great to go down a side path, but I think it's always important to remain true to your original intention. So I always go back, always go back. And, and this is true. Like this happens in relationships, right? If you're arguing with your significant other, <laughs> it'll start about one issue. And, you know, 30 yeah. minutes in, you, God knows what you're talking about. And like, I'm like, bring it back. Guilty. Bring it back. So, you know, <laughs> you got to bring it back. So I always, I, I and, and the thing that I, I find with tarot, whether you're getting a reading or, or whether you're reading for yourself in a class or working with a book, and this is one of the reasons I wrote Darkwood Tarot and teach shadow work. It's very easy. It's very easy to go into a place where you're, where you're telling yourself something pleasurable that you want to hear. Not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that, but the point of mm-hmm. us reading cards is to see something we don't already see, right? We have to keep yeah. ourselves on yeah. point. So when, you know, yeah. and, 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 like, there's nothing, like I said, like, there's nothing wrong. You want to feel comforted. You want to feel good. But you also want to hold yourself to that initial reason why you're there or, or hold yourself accountable and not just stroke your ego or, or just make you feel yeah. better. Because if you just want to feel better, right. you put on, like, your favorite song. Don't bother going to the <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, and that's, so, a, yes. that's a really good point. You know, and, and I find that sometimes, because I do question myself, um, even when I'm reading just for me, and it's like, you know, and I, and I question, is the tower taking me in another direction for a reason, or am I losing sight? And the, what I'm hearing from you is just pull yourself back on track to the mm-hmm. original, the original reason yeah. you started this, you know, this particular reading in the first place, 
and yeah. basically rein yourself in, as it were, and 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 focus where you started. That's, exactly, that's great and advice. That's not, yeah, and meander down that side path as long as you like. Just make sure you know you go back to your starting point when you're done. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Shane, that, and that's come what, back. <laughs> come back, Shane. <laughs> Don't go down that path alone, Shane. Come back. Stay on the tarot path. (laughs) Sorry. I got feelings. (laughs) (laughs) But I just find sometimes people have have problems focusing, you know, where – and it's really – you know, thank you for saying that because – I've never actually asked another reader about it before, and I'm like, well, I better ask the expert, so I'm going to ask you. (laughs) So thank you for answering that, because I find a lot of people feel like, well, if I'm being led down this other path, maybe I should follow it. And, you know, I think sometimes we hear a little voice in our head, and it's not the voice that we're supposed to be paying attention to. So no. yeah, thank thank you for that guidance because I think that's that's um, that's probably more where we should focus as opposed to just going down some kind of a rabbit hole and we're not sure where we're going and then you get confused because yeah. your original intention you're way off track at this point and you're like what the hell was I trying to find out and like you said you know and I am. I'm guilty. Many fights with the spouse that start in, you know, New Jersey and end up in Queens. And it's like, wait a minute. This isn't where we were going. You didn't follow directions. And I guess that's kind of the point. You know, stay, if you're going somewhere, stay on the road to follow those directions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all destinations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it just and and also and it's just for anybody listening too. Like I think it's very helpful, especially when you're reading for yourself, uh, to write to write what you're getting down. And and because again, mm. that's going to keep you reined in. If you're just kind of your mind moves so quickly, your thoughts move so fast. But if you there's yeah. something really magical about writing down and and sometimes just pretending you're doing the reading for someone else. You know, often that's the only way I can get to good information for myself. If I'm really emotional about something and I go to the cards, or write it yeah. down as if I'm giving a, a reading to someone else. And that way I can keep my distance and get the information I need. That's a good idea. I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. That's a really yeah. good idea because half the reason I don't read for some people who ask me is because I'm related to them. And I'm like, well, if... I'm going to put all my knowledge about you in it. I'm going to put all my emotional, you know, stuff in it. And it's going to be a dirty reading because it's not really clean because I've Mm -hmm. I've got biases about what you're asking, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, if you you can pull yourself out as a participant rather, Mm -hmm. you know, a querent as opposed to being involved in it. Yeah, I, I maybe I should try that because oftentimes somebody who I'm related to will say, "Hey, can you do a reading?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm going to refer you to somebody else." But right. there's really no reason for me to not do it myself. I I actually should. Well, and I can give you two really simple techniques to do that with, which has always served me well, me really well, and I I find it really fun. It's not. 
it's not going to necessarily work for everyone. It depends on your personality and how willing you are to do something like this. But um, one of them I actually learned from Rachel Pollack, which was she gave us an exercise about at, at, I think it was the reader's studio. She gave us an exercise and said, come up with like a crazy name, you know, like Madame Sositris. And I want you to like uh-huh. take everything you think about like a dramatic tarot reader, turn that into a character, and then be that character as you read cards for someone. And I went crazy with that and loved it. And the reading that I wound up giving, even though I was playing this character, because playing someone else pushed my ego to the side. So I was so focused on getting the information through and my accent that I made up that it wound up uh-huh. being a really phenomenal reading. Right, So you could pretend you were somebody else, not you, and sort of put on this hat of like, I don't know, like a Jersey Shore mysterious fortune teller, like a boardwalk reader, and, you know, and and be that person, and then you're not going to necessarily access the stuff you know about that person. The other thing you could do is a very simple channeling exercise, which is before you begin the reading, um, just visualize this uh, great medical medium taught me this. Her name is Heather Carlucci. She's amazing. Um, and she, she said, you know, just imagine, you know, go into your head, like see kind of in like your brain, push it aside and let something else wow. come through you. And just going through that meditation, um, of pushing your brain to the side and allowing something else to speak through you changes the way, totally changes the way that I read. Um, So those are two things you could try. And I want to ask you, do you only read for yourself or do you have other people that you go to that read for you? Oh, you know, I get readings all of the time from my friends and from my students and just from, I, I know so I'm so lucky to know so many incredible readers so if I'm really stuck Uh with something you know like I had this odd thing happening last year I kept getting stung by wasps and I knew it was like some weird sign from the universe that I wasn't necessarily getting or understanding so I reached out to Nancy Antonucci who's like this amazing teacher and author and she gave me the best reading and explained it all to me and I was like thank you so much so yeah I get lots and lots of readings it's like I'm very fortunate in that I get lots of tarot cards sent to me too it's like Uh just a fringe benefit of 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 publishing and writing just being in this world so um yeah I'm really I love it I'm very grateful for it Oh, I am too. That's how I. That's how I actually got the Darkwood Tarot. And and somebody was like, "Do you know Sasha Graham?" And I'm like, "Well, I've heard of her, but I don't know her." And they're like, "Well, you really <laughs> ought to have her on your show because you'd love her." And I'm like, "You're right. <laughs> I like I like good advice." Um, but you know, it's it's really fascinating when you have. Because I'm like I've had a situation recently where I have talked to uh, a tarot reader and she did a reading for me, and I asked her a series of questions and none of her answers were the one I wanted to hear, which is always you know how that feels um, when it's mm-hmm. like I I want to know blah 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 blah, and you know in your head what you want the answer to be, but you're not getting it. <laughs> So I tried asking this question seven ways to Sunday in all kinds of different configurations. And she's like, 
Raina, let me tell you something. And I said, yeah. She's like, the reason why the answer isn't changing right now is because it's only been 40 seconds since the last time you asked. So why don't you put a little space and time between this reading and your next one because I'm as impatient as the day is long, of course. And she's like, why don't you put a little time between this reading and your next reading? And maybe because things are ever-changing and ever-flowing, your answer might be different. <laughs> and I find that I was guilty. I was guilty of the same thing that I accuse some of my former clients of. <laughs> it's not going to be the yep. answer you want it to be. You keep asking me the same question. The answer is not changing. However, if you ask me this week and you ask me next week, the answer depending on what it is, is going to be very close to the same. However, six yeah. months down the road, your answer could be 100% different. Yeah, well, and, so, and therein, lies, therein lies the issue with ma- like magic and tarot and all this stuff yeah. is the best thing in the world when everything's going your way. But when, when you start to hit wall, <laughs> you know, when you start to hit a wall, <laughs> when you're not getting the answers you, and, and I, again, I, so I always go back, I always equate this with the magician card who has the four suits of tarot on his table, which to me is always saying that, like, the universe is, you know, is always giving you everything you need at that moment. Everything you need is right in front of you. So, like, if you're asking this question over and over and not getting what you want, um, there's a very good reason for it. (laughs) It's just sucks because we want what we want when we want it. And there's nothing worse than a witch who is not getting (laughs) what she is putting out. Um, you know, but ultimately we do. Ultimately we do. It's just a great lesson on like being still and making space and being patient, even though it sucks and it hurts sometimes. <laughs> and you know, I have to tell you, this is the second time we've talked and you needed to tell me that the last time we talked too. And I am so grateful that you have said it again because hearing you say it this time reminds me that you said it before and it's like, that lesson did not change, Raina, dear. Maybe you ought to pay attention. Um, I am, listen, they say that doctors are the worst patients, mm-hmm. witches and tarot readers and people of our ilk are also the worst at paying attention to the lessons that we're being given it's because so we think we think we know something we don't know shit. Right. <laughs> or, like, or like, or like, the, like the, the things that you're eating, like the, that, and like this is the great thing about magic is that like when when you're in alignment and making magic. The things that come yeah. to you always, and I always, like, surpass any expectation or even idea. Like, I'm always, one of my, like, favorite magical daily things to do with my sister and I, we write a gratitude email to each other, and I always include, I'm so grateful for the amazing things that I can't yet even imagine, that I can't even imagine. And so what happens, it's like, when when our we're in alignment and the, and it's firing on all cylinders, the things that happen to us are so phenomenal, right? So that when they're not yeah. phenomenal, they're like the world throws a pandemic in your face. You're like, <sighs> you turn into a chaos witch, right? <laughs> Oh, my God, you cracked me up, but it's so true. And I have to say, I love 
love, love that you do a daily email of gratitude or just like a quick email note of gratitude. Mm -hmm. That to me sounds like something that is so worthwhile and it's something that I need to do. Um, And I'm sure if I need to do it, uh, a lot of other people need to do it too because I'm not special. So do I think here's the thing. I think as you show the universe that you're grateful for everything that you have, you know, you encourage more, you know, it's oh, kind of yeah. like when you have, a, it's just like a spouse or a partner of any kind. When you do something nice for your partner, your partner wants to do more to make you happy because your partner felt really good when you did the really nice thing in the first place. So let's get some more of that good vibe going. So yes. definitely put out, put out that gratitude. Cause I think ingratitude, and I've heard this in a number of, paths, religious and otherwise, that ingratitude is the worst sin. But I do Mm. believe that an error of being ungrateful will cause you to not have anything to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely think, I know I'm not trying to go all the secret on it. I'm just saying like attracts like, you know, when you're a good person you kind of start attracting good people, you know, shitty people attract shitty people. It's all the same principle, like attract like. Oh, so, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. put out that gratitude. I think that I think I'm going to start doing that like immediately if not sooner. Well, I'll at least wait until after we're off the phone later, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I just think these these things that people do that they don't realize are so impactful. Or they do realize it, and then, you know, you tell someone about it, and they're like, wow, that could really make a difference in my life. I think that's part of, you know, as public people, as people who work in divination or, you know, some kind of supernatural whatever, that we're supposed to help other people and encourage them, you know. And if you're lucky enough to have a life making a living from it, all the better. Um, and I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think people should. And that's, oh, this is the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Cause, yeah. uh, can you please explain to folks that there is nothing wrong, if anything. You're actually hampering things if you don't charge for a reading. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell Thank you, you 100%. Well, the reason is Thank you. people people respect uh, what they pay for. People respect what mm-hmm. they pay for, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, and for any tarot reader out there who's, like, worried that they won't be good enough, that they can't, I'm like, okay, everybody wants to hear about themselves. Everyone wants to sit down and talk about themselves. So don't think you're ever going to, like, suffer for a lack of clients or you're not good enough. Just keep being there, <laughs> regardless of your talent is like amazing and wonderful and worthy because you know so so yeah you have to charge and and the other thing is just that you know the work that you've done the study the research the classes the workshops mm-hmm. the experience yep. that you have um 100% is 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 worthy and I'm like and and I am a big fan of bartering too I do love love yep. love to barter um yep. but yeah Unless, unless you're doing some sort of public service work of, you know, mm-hmm. of like um, 
a public service situation where you're doing it like in the name of gratitude in order to help people, maybe you wouldn't want to charge, but no, you should absolutely charge. People respect what they pay for, bottom line. I agree. And I also think that people need to understand that you, you know, if you come across like you're not worthy, it shows. You have yeah. to learn to also respect yourself and your own talent. And I think if you didn't believe you had some sort of talent, you wouldn't have picked this up in the first place because right. then you're just fooling yourself. And I don't think people do that. I think people are fearful, and I think a lot of people try to guilt them into giving free, like no one has asked me for a free reading in 30 years. Uh, and I wouldn't <laughs> give good. one anyway. I mean, for right. family, it's one thing. For friends, it's one thing. But when it's somebody who comes to you and says, hey, I need your help. I need some insight. Can you do this for me? Sure. Here's what I charge. Um, mm -hmm. And I just feel like people devalue themselves. And you can't do that because a, a, a rising tide raises, raises all boats. And yes. we need you to understand that you are devaluing not only yourself, but the rest of us in the industry. Yes. <laughs> so please, yep. don't be afraid to charge. I'm not saying charge somebody their life savings. I'm not saying go overboard. But if you're not sure what you should charge, check around locally. It's not a secret. Yep. Places, Different yep. places charge different amounts. And do what's fair and right. You're going to know. You'll have an idea. But please, don't, don't devalue the craft of tarot. Please don't do no. that. And I see people and, and, try to do it all the time. Yeah. And I, and I think it's really important for readers to know that it's so okay to say no. You know, and I, under, I understand if you're starting out, it's very exciting to get a call or an email or whatever. And somebody, but a, a lot of times especially when you're beginning, you'll get some really weird requests and you'll feel like you'll be so excited that somebody reached out, but then also be kind of weirded out maybe. Like I remember, gosh, people just asking me for strange spells and just like you get to dictate what you're doing. And just because somebody comes to you for a reading doesn't mean that you're a match for them and they're a match for you because you're going to have people asking you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone or beyond your boundaries, you know. There's a lot of people oh, yeah. crazy, what I, you know, unethically, things that would feel unethical to you. So you have to, like, learning to say no and stating your price is the absolute greatest thing you can do. Yeah, not only for yourself, but the entire uh, community. Agreed, agreed, yeah, agreed. I, I, yes, and there's also a difference between, you know, be very specific about, what it is you want to do. If you want to do tarot and advice, that is not the same thing necessarily mm -hmm. as tarot and spell work. Um, right. Be really specific because you may get into a situation where you're feeling out of your depth because you were not clear about yeah. what your service is. Um, and yeah. just because someone comes to me for a tarot reading does not mean the magic necessarily follows. That has to be agreed upon. So yes. be really clear. And, you know, I've seen a lot of folks, you know, 
say, well, it doesn't cost you anything to do such and such. You have no idea what I've invested in my tools. You have no idea of what time I invested in learning. You have no idea of what's in my library. No one gave me any of, you know, the stuff that I grew up learning. I mean, I had to learn it. I had to read. I had to study. I had to practice and fail a lot, mm-hmm. like with anything else you learn to do. So, yeah, I just I wish people would stop trying to make people feel guilty because you don't have a tarot Ph.D. on the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. That's Maybe cool. we need to get... We need to talk to the tarot school about issuing tarot PhDs. I'm just saying. <laughs> they did. Well, you do get a certificate at the end of the reader studio. I think I have like 12 or 15 certificates. I... <laughs> right. Oh, I love them. I miss them. <laughs> They're wonderful people. They have always yes. been wonderful people. I mean, I've I've known Ruth Ann Amberstone for me- over 40 years. 43, 44. Wow. Wow. Yes, when you were a child, a little baby baby (laughs) before. (laughs) Yeah, no, I will tell you that as far as as tarot goes and, and magic without going into too much detail, I will tell you that the folks who run the reader studio, um, especially Ruth Ann, is one of the finest, finest, most talented people I have ever known in my whole life. Absolutely, without a doubt. I, I, I so, kind of attribute everything. In my, it, I had no idea. I didn't know there was a world tarotist, that there were tarot um, conferences. That, that, like, I just, yeah. they, they opened up the world to me. They really did. Oh, yeah. I'm so grateful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and I would encourage when the next studio happens, um, get there, folks. Ooh, I'll be there. It's an experience. I will definitely be there. See, and if you want to meet the lady, the tarot diva herself, you got (laughs) to hit it up the next time it happens. I I don't know if there's plans for 2022. I would assume there are, but I I am not aware of it. I'm, I'm not aware of it yet, but maybe when you come back, Later this year, you'll have some information to share with us about that, too. Um, Uh, Sasha, we have like two minutes left, so I need you to tell people where to get The Magic of Tarot or when and where they can find you and your books and everything else and your classes and give everybody the information. Sure. So The Magic of Tarot right now is available for pre-order, and you can find that on the Llewellyn website or at Amazon.com. You can find me, Sasha Graham, at SashaGram.com. That's my website, SashaGram.com. I'm also very active on Instagram, Sasha Tarot Diva. You can find me on Facebook. And I think that's about it. And if you guys liked what you heard, I have, you know, the Darkwood Tarot out and the Haunted House Tarot and the Blue of really fun tarot books. So come check it out. You might like it. Awesome. Sasha Graham, you are wonderful. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being here. And uh, uh-huh. Sasha will be back later this year. And I thank you again for spending some time with me and taking it out of your Saturday to come and hang out. I really appreciate you. And everybody, I will see you on Friday. 
Have a wonderful week. Bye, everyone. Squidding. What the fuck? Sash.